welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Hey, so good to be here again this morning and just welcome to church on Sunday. Just We've had an amazing year and um, looking forward to a great 2017. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so good. And uh, didn't Josh wrap up the Stronger series well last week? That was great. Yeah. And uh, this morning as well, we're um, going to be celebrating and just hearing a little of the story from Aaron and Bex uh, Lamborn. And um, yeah, first service was awesome. There were tears, and including me, but I promise that I've got all that out of my system now. I'm just going to be like a rock because uh, uh, these guys are going, they're moving to um, Havelock North in uh, not in about three, two or three weeks, hey? So it's, um, and they're going up there to be youth pastors. Uh, felt the call of God. And so we're, we're going to hear a little bit about, jump into their world for a bit this morning, which is going to, it's going to bless you. Turn to your neighbor and say, be blessed. And now ask your neighbor, did they receive the blessing? <laughs> <laughs> they did. I'm seeing a lot of nods there. That's a good sign. Your words have power. Come on. All creation was formed with words. Man, our words are powerful. So I'm just going to get into the Word of God from Matthew 2. We're going to just break into this, um, uh, break into the story of Jesus. This is a good story. This is a great story. This is, this is if you bought your Bible today, which you probably should have if you'd listened to Josh's message last week. Josh, do you want to stand up and just have a look around? Um, (laughs) Matthew 2, verse 2. Here we go. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, uh, the Magi from east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who had been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and uh, have come to worship him. Uh, And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Everyone say, disturbed. Disturbed. And uh, all Jerusalem with him. Everyone was disturbed. My gosh. Uh, When he had called together all uh, all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Who's the front row? Shh. <laughs> How did all Jerusalem suddenly know? I don't, well, I don't think there was just three kings. I mean, we go to the three kings, but maybe there was actually like four or 20, and everyone saw these kings. Um, let's just go with that. But there's probably a really good shoulder tapping message system. Um, so jump back into verse 6. Are we all good now? We're finished? We're good? Questions over? Okay, that's great. Uh, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, 
uh, so that I may go and worship him. Hashtag actually kill him. Um, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Uh, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Man, this is a cool story. This is the intro of, of Jesus' life, baby Jesus, onto this planet. And there's so much going on at that time. There's so much contention around it because Jesus was born as a baby, but He was going to die a Saviour. He was going to die as the one who's laid His life down for all creation so that the story of history would be changed from this point. And so we enter into this, this location and this time where there's great disturbance. There's great things happening there's honour happening, there's hate happening, there's, there's things happening. And this morning, I just want to look at the three key players that are in this story, actually, that surrounding Jesus. Um, the first one, the first group of the mad guy, not the Magi, I don't know what you want to call them, um, but... You know, Sam was reminding me that Magi were noodles. So let's go with the Magi this morning. But these guys here, these were the guys that had been looking for something beyond their own world. These guys have been looking heavenward. They've been looking at the stars. And maybe it was for a long time, maybe years. But they knew that there was something up, that God wanted to send someone and that they had an assignment on their life to go and identify who the special someone was. And these Magi, they represent the prophetic prophetic call. They represent that we also have a prophetic call to find Jesus and identify who He is to the world. We're all called to go and identify Jesus. No matter where we're at in life, I don't know if you've got a king or gold, frankincense or myrrh, but what you have with your life and your story, your treasure is there. It's available to bring honour and glory to Jesus. And that's what these magi, these guys were representing that as well for our lives. Then we've got King Herod. Everyone say boo. Yeah, I know. He was the bad guy. He's the villain in this story. And he um, represents a type of antichrist. You know, he was there to snuff Jesus out, to kill him and destroy the gospel, the good news, salvation to all creation coming through Christ. And so he was playing his part in the story because the devil was pushing him along. He was, there was a spiritual power in behind his life that was designed to cut the life of Jesus short. And then we've got Mary and Joseph as well in this story. These are the parents of Joseph of Jesus. They're the parents, other ones that have been entrusted uh, by God the Father as guardians of Jesus, as the ones who would look after this child, the ones that would nurture this child and see that this child would, would grow through the adolescence years and the childlike years and become fully God and fully man. Man, they had a bit of responsibility on their life, but they were assigned with this responsibility. They were graced with this incredible assignment. So this morning, just want to open up how each of these characters actually play their role in the story and then uh, zero in on how we are called to guard uh, and honour who Jesus Christ is in our lives. 
because we're called to, to guard and honour who Jesus is. Like Mary and Joseph guarded and honoured who Jesus was. The wise men came and they identified who Jesus was. And it was also that Jesus' name could become famous. And so it's amazing. We've actually, we're just on the brink, like I was saying at the start, of sending out like the five wise people from Rangiora. We've got Aaron and Bex and, and Sam and Lucas and Maya. And these guys here, it's so exciting because they've been looking heavenward. In the last year or so, they've been looking beyond their world and their trade and their location and their family and going, God, where are you sending me? What's my call? What's I've got, you know, we've got another like, you guys have probably got like another 80 years left on this planet. How am I going to make the most of this time on this earth? And so I love it that these guys have postured their lives around looking to the star, looking to Jesus, looking to where they could be located to identify who Jesus was and make His name great. And they're going to do that to the youth in Havelock North. Isn't that exciting? They're sent ones, like the Magi. They were sent and they were looking for years. They posted their life around going, where's Jesus going to show up? And we're all called to be a prophetic people in our life and go, you know, how can I identify Jesus to the world? And so um, I want to welcome up um, Aaron and Bex this morning. And, and we've known uh, these guys. They've been in our church family for about 10 years. I still think I remember the first Sunday, actually, that you guys came. And Aaron and I, we had a yarn out by the climbing wall. And he's like, cheer, bro. And, and I was like, yeah. And, uh, he, and, and we've just, uh, Bex has actually served as my um, PA for about two or three years when I was youth pastoring here. And these guys have been on a really enriching adventure, um, you know, over their time here. And in the last year or so, they've really honed in and gone, God, I'm called at this time. So I just wonder if we could just put our hands together as they come up to share this morning. Come on up, guys. It's so cool. Um, just so I was sharing in first service as well, like um, the Aaron is grace for this assignment to this people group in the North Island because I'm going to miss some of the language that Aaron, like when you get to know Aaron, you're like, uh, you, you hear things like, cheer boy, uh, wahine, that's, that's another one. Uh, we're going to take things to the neck level. Uh, sick bra, sweet as and cheers cuz. Mm. And we have this face, eh? It's like, mm. <laughs> you're too good. So, um, man, we're just, we're just celebrating you guys this morning. So have the microphone and share your story with us. Hey, bro, it's actually true, bro. Oh, oh bro, thanks. I'm always I suppose if I, this whole story goes, well, this chapter in our story goes back about 18 months when I went to a funeral for my, my nana's funeral. Um, and I came away from her funeral, um, sort of, she served her, um, served the Lord with all her heart and put him first in everything that she did. And I came away from that funeral realising how little I did that in my life. And I made a decision um, then that I was going to start being the leader in my family that God had called me to be and to sort of live the purpose, find out the purpose that God had for us. So we just started seeking God fully from about that time on. Um, so about six months ago, I was sitting on my machine at work doing what I'd normally been doing for the last 11 years and uh, I got a phone call 
from my uncle Jack, who is the youth pastor, uh, is the senior pastor for Peak Vision Church in Havelock North. And he said, um, and this is his language too, he said, hey bro, how you going? I said, yeah, yeah sure, cuz. <laughs> he said, are you guys interested in considering being youth pastors um, at our church in Havelock North? And when he first told me that, it was kind of like, I, I was excited a wee bit. I thought, well, maybe this is, maybe this is the purpose that God has for us. Uh, I rang Beck and spoke to her about it, and to my surprise, she wasn't against it. She was quite open to the idea. So I sort of told Jack, yeah, it looks like we're, um, we can sort of look into this. And he decided that he was going to fly us up. Um, Jack and Sarah would fly us up to Havelock. And when we landed in Napier, I remember hopping off the plane, and, and I'm a North Islander. I was born and bred in the Bay of Plenty, and I just remember feeling at home getting off the plane in Napier. The climate is awesome up there. Um, that's a bonus. And, yeah, it just felt, it felt really good. Um, we spent the weekend with Jack and Sari, and, and we went out to lunch and, and, and mucked around, and I remember having a talk with Jack, and I said, look, mate, I'm just, I'm just a logger, you know, um, I'm just a man of the world kind of thing. And he, I don't feel qualified for this kind of thing. And he said that um, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And um, that, that sort of uh, gave me a good lift right there. Right. Yeah, so we, we ended up um, yeah, hanging with Jack and Sari for the weekend. We went to, we went and got up early on Sunday morning and went for a big walk and, and prayed about um, whether this was our plan, uh, this was God's plan for us, and we needed to hear some, definitely hear from God a bit more about it. Um, we went into the church service on the Sunday morning, and um, it just felt awesome straight away. Like obviously not as awesome as this place. It's it's hard to beat thrive. I'm being I'm being straight up too. This place is um, is epic. Um, it's going to be the hardest part about leaving here is um, is this church and the people in it. Um, and we were just asking that God would speak to us through that service, and we talked to um, we talked to each other after the service, obviously. And, and God had spoken to us at the, at the same time in the same song, and it was that song "Oceans" by Hillsong. And it says, um, "Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever You would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior." And the fact that God spoke to both of us in that moment was another uh, really um, sort of faith-building moment. Um, so anyway, we, we went home, we jumped on the plane and we went home. We we're feeling 80%, you know, like this is a possibility, but there's so, so many boxes to tick. Um, I was driving to work a couple of weeks later and just having a moment like freaking out. This is just a huge change in our lives and, and, and I just needed to hear more about it. And just started crying out to God. And God said to me in my own language, he said, don't worry, I've got it sorted. And uh, I started welling up with tears. Um, I mean, I always do when you hear God's voice say real clearly, it's like, oh man. And uh, then he said to me that he's calling me and Beck there to bring two, two types of people together. And um, I kind of know what that means. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but but Bex has got a real heart for uh, for kids, and especially broken kids that have um, that are having a hard time and come from um, broken backgrounds. And I've got a I've got a heart for broken people as well. Um, but I can get along with anybody. Um, and I think Havelock is Havelock North and Hastings is is kind of a 
how do you describe it? It's kind of a, uh, a wealthy kind of area. Um, but just down the road, five minutes, is Hastings and Flaxmere, which has got a lot of broken people that, are, that, that need Jesus. And I think that's what we're going to do there. We're going to bridge a gap somehow. Don't know how that's going to look like, but we're going we're gonna to get amongst it. Um, so anyway, we went to a family dinner, which is actually a, a memorial for my nana and my grandpa, who's an amazing man of God. Um, another man who's just put God first in everything in his life um, to the neck level, almost. <laughs> and, uh, had to throw it in there. Eh? And uh, he said to us, he pointed me out, he's a big man, he goes, I've got to speak to you after this. So I was like, yeah, sweet. And um, everyone left. And we had our moment with Grandpa, which is hard to get at a Lambourne family gathering because everyone just sort of crowds him. Yeah, and it's massive family and loud. Um <laughs> And Grandpa, we, we pray, he prayed for us, and he said that he felt that God, um, he felt that we should move quickly towards a decision and to not overthink it. And me and Bex are probably a little bit more, probably more me, I sort of think a bit too hard about things sometimes. Eh? <laughs> and uh, we needed to make a decision and, and, get in, and get amongst it before we overthought it. And Grandpa also offered to help us with our um, financial, the financial side of moving up north. Which was, um, which was just epic. And I, he asked me, he goes, man, how much do you think you're going to need? So I gave him an amount and he, he doubled it. And I was like, uh, it was just incredible. And that, well, that money, actually, the money that he gave us, the extra money actually enabled us to tidy our house up and get it ready for sale. Um, so we worked on the house for a couple of frantic weekends, got it on the market. Two days later, we had an open home on a rainy day. Um, and we got three offers. We took the best offer, and boom, the house was sold. There was just God was just working in it, on it crazy. There was actually a few. I've got to mention this. There was actually quite a few things that um, I'm a bit of a procrastinator, and there was a few things that I hadn't done, and that came back to bite me, and were like real stressy moments. But every time we prayed about it and put God first in those situations. They were sorted, you know, in the nick of time too, and um, especially with the builder and whatnot. So it was great to see God moving in that area, and we just knew more and more that this was what his plan was for us, you know. Um, We both went to work and told our bosses. Now, I've been a logger for 25 years. I've been with the same company for 14 and down south here, and it's basically been my identity, you know. I've workaholism, (laughs) that's a word, flows in my family and it was always I was brought up to think you know if how do you work the more of a man you were that was that's your identity and and work came first um and just God has just showed me that my identity is not in tied up in my work my identity is in him and and that's and and he says he tells me who I am and that made it made it so much easier for me to tell my boss and he just um and he took it really well like he knew that I wasn't I told him I wasn't leaving for another job in the logging industry, um, and, he, and, and he's not a Christian. He's very he's far from it. I've worked pretty hard on him, but it's just I just got to say <laughs> the seed, man. <laughs> so the seed, but um, so he they were our both our bosses are real good, and we've I just got to say we've had some amazing support from this house from the leadership here. Glenn and Deb have just been epic for us through our whole Christian walk since we've known them. They've never um, stopped loving us um, and supporting us. And, and and Jack, watching Jack grow from this wee guy to, yeah, who he is. And just all his support and input, <laughs> and all his input. 
we just appreciate that. Um, and just finishing, I was talking to my to one of my workmates, and and I've been working with him every single day for about fourteen years. And we talk. We're in a in a constant um, RT connection, so we talk about everything. We know each other so well, and and. Um, he said to me, you know what, bro, I never thought you would go through with this when you first told me, and now you've only got one week to go at button logging. He goes, you're crazy. And I said, all I could say was, bro, I'm sold out for Jesus, and I don't want to miss out on the, on the purpose that he has for me, and i just got to trust him. That's, that's my spit. Oh, so as awesome as that all sounds... Here comes the downer. <laughs> um, it is a little bit of a downer, to be fair. Um, so this journey is, is epic, and um, it's very cool, but it also has come at a, as a slight cost to our family. Um, we know that in the big picture, everything's going to be amazing, and that is you know, the goal and what we're focusing on, but that doesn't mean that it hasn't been hard. So the journey for me started um, at the beginning of the year when I was desperately seeking God, just... I. I knew that God has called me, and but I just wanted to know what for. So I was praying um, with Jared, and Jared told me to rest in the season that I'm in, which wasn't ideal because I was sick of resting, and I really wanted to get moving. So um, I was just praying um, on my way to work one morning, and I was really frustrated with God. I'm like, come on, look, I just surrender everything to you, God. Just use me. And um, I was just praying that prayer on the way to work. And I remember it so clearly, which is pretty cool. But little, little did I know at that time that um, God was opening doors that I couldn't imagine. So when Aaron mentioned to me about Havelock North, I was not sh- um, shut down to the idea. So the first thing I did, being the practical person I am, was um, go and check out houses in Havelock North. And when I did, I realised that they were a ridiculous price and there was no way that we could possibly move there. And um, so that was the end of that. So we've been praying for doors to be opened and closed. And as far as I was concerned, that was the door closure. So I just was happy to move on. So Aaron rang Jack the next day to say, you know, it's probably not going to work for us. We can't really afford to move up there. But as usual, God has a plan. And Jack and Sari had just bought a house um, just out of Havelock North. And the house that they're living in was a three-bedroom house with a sleep-out. And it was on church property, which is like 30 metres maybe to where Aaron will be working. And um, and that will be available for us when we move up there. So I was like, what the heck, God? I thought that you had shut that door. Um, but no, he hadn't. So that was just a real answer to prayer. And um, and kind of a bit sad at the same time for me because, you know, I didn't really want to move. So um, so reading back in my journal, um, so as you know, Deb is an advocate for journal writing. And I actually, um, after 10 years of telling me that I probably should do this, um, I actually listened to her. And it was really cool because um, when Aaron and I were reading um, the journal that I'd written, there was some really cool stuff that I had actually already forgotten about that God had done. So, uh, yeah, I really recommend it. And don't wait 10 years to listen to Deb because you'll miss out on lots. But anyway, um, this word um, that Glenn and Deb spoke over us was pretty significant to us. And um, it said, prepare yourself for what is coming to come quickly. What you have been called for may not look like what you think. It is like new ground rising up yet to be worked. You are breaking new ground. And then we thought about it, and it's like brand new church, new ground, new youth ministry to be established, starting in January 2017, not what we think. Coincidence? I don't think so. 
So we have children. We have three kids, um, Sam, who's nearly 17. We've got Lucas, who's 14, and Maya, who's 11. Um, we decided we were going to show them this cool video of the church up there, and they were going to be super excited and really want to go. And Aaron and I actually thought that's what was going to happen, but nope, that did not happen at all. So um, Sam, um, who this has impacted the hardest, I suppose, um, Got up, walked out of the room, just said, he's not going. That was the end of that. Um, Maya started bawling her eyes out, and um, Lucas was semi-excited. So, yeah, that wasn't quite how we had it planned. So for the next few weeks after that, it was a roller coaster of ride of emotions, and I, for one, was crying at everything. And I cried because I knew that we had to go, because I was sitting in the second row, and God told me, clear as anything, that I needed to follow Aaron. And for those who know me, I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> So that was a real struggle, but um, the worst bit was I told Aaron that God said that, and now he uses it all the time. God said to follow me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and I'm like, damn it, I shouldn't have said anything. Um, so yeah, the tears. I, I was crying because I'm, we're leaving this amazing church. Um, I was crying for Sam because he was so distant. He'd lost his spark. He hadn't laughed or smiled, and if you know Sam, he's a crack up, and um, he was always laughing, but he was just like this sad, sad person. And it was actually really heartbroken for me, breaking for me as a mother um, because we were doing this to him. Like, you know, to him, this is the end of his world because he's lived here his whole life. So it was really tough. Um, so I decided to have this list of requests that I needed for God. God needed to do this so that we could go. And um, I was praying about it, saying, God, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, and blah, blah. And then God said to me, actually, you need to be praying for Sam's salvation. And so I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, and always submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. And so we really held on to that. Since then, I'm happy to say that all of our children have given their hearts to the Lord. Um, Maya and Lucas got baptised in the baptism service a few weeks ago, and Sam, um, who has been really struggling, is coming to the night services, and actually, we're not going, Sam, come on, you've got to come. He's actually going, are you going to church tonight? And we're like, yes. So good. Yeah. Um, so... As I said, Sam was, has, was devastated and he was impacting our whole family um, because he was just really sad. And I just had to keep reminding myself that this is God's plan. This isn't my plan. This God has got this. And for being a control freak that I am, I had to fully let go and trust him in everything that I was doing. And um, people kept saying to me, oh, how exciting. You must be so excited. And I was like, actually, I'm so not excited. And at that stage, um, this move was tearing our family apart. But um, I always knew that we were going to go. Like, we've never once thought that we're not going. But I have, you know, thought, do we have to go? But um, we know it's good. And, but I'm just sharing this because it hasn't been an easy journey. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as I said, for me, my responsibility is my strength finder. So um, I thrive on um, being organised, running the show, knowing what I'm doing, having plans in place. And God has completely thrown me out of my comfort zone, and um, which is a good thing because I'm sure he's going to do amazing things through that. But I don't know from one day to the next what's happening on our journey. We're taking it one day at a time. And when we first decided to move up there, I had a job working at the preschool, and that was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, I'm going to be set up. And at this stage, I don't actually have a job. And 
not that we're freaked out about that. It's a, God's given us a real peace, so I'm not really sure what we're doing. But, um, yeah, things are changing from day to day, and it's a real faith journey. So as of today, um, we have 11 days till we move out of our home. We've been there for 14 years, and we have 20 days until we head up north. And am I excited? Well, not really, but um, I doubt for not one second that God has not called us to something amazing. And um, But I am really, or both Aaron and I, are really gutted to be leaving this place, especially because we know that God is going to be doing amazing things in here, and like we're missing out. But that's cool, because as Glenn said, we're still going to be be. Um, attached because we're not ditchingers, but um, yeah, we um, we also believe that um, that Thrive Church, especially Glenn and Deb, have impacted into our world so much, and um, they have not been um just amazing leaderships, but um, also great friends, and we're taking what you guys have have um inputted into us and going to share that up north because they need a bit of a taste of Thrive, I think. So, yeah, it's going to be a good thing. That. Um, and Debbie uh, wishes that she could be here this morning as well, and, and but she's going to be here tonight to take part in when we pray again for you this evening uh, as well. So, man, um, I love it that you guys like are sent and not went. And um, I just had a a real. I wanted to just like release the mantle over you this morning for what you're stepping into, but I just realised that that's not my place to do that. That that's actually for up there. This, and we've talked a lot about this, Amen. And and um, that real sense that you're you're feeling you know vulnerable at the moment because you haven't stepped into something new. But when you step into that, man, you're going to feel such a sense of destiny and insight come around your life. And man, that's, that's uh, for all of us. You know, when we really start owning our assignment, whether we're called to the ministry or whether we're called to the marketplace or uh, into government or into rest homes or into high schools, like there is a, there's an, a mantle for your assignment. There's, and that mantle word, it sounds like a bit of a spiritual out there concept, but it's like that's God's government authority resting on us. And I know when Deb and I stepped into this position as senior leaders here, we're like, does this, does this church know like how like just average I feel? <laughs> and like, am I really, are we really going to be able to do this? Like Chris is so apostolic and dynamic and like, I'm like, just like the mum of this relationship. And, and, um, <laughs> yeah, Mitch, that <laughs> was for you. Uh, and, um, Man, something shifted when we stepped into that, and because we we stepped into a call and a destiny, and that's not just for those at the pulpit. Man, that's for all of us. We've all got an outstanding call and outstanding destiny on, on our lives. And I love that that these guys are stepping into a whole new adventure. You know, it's like they've been travailing like a you know the birthing picture. Come on, mums, you're like yeah, and uh, easy as that, and. Um, They've got a new baby. They're, they're about to have a new baby, a new adventure. And, um, you know, speaking of babies, because we're going to bring this back to Jesus, because we're celebrating um, what he's doing and what he's doing in our lives this morning, that when he was born, you know, human babies are 
one of the most vulnerable babies that exist on the planet. Like uh, out of all the species, like humans are so so vulnerable. And when you compare a, a, a human baby to a, a baby giraffe, um, the the baby giraffe could they can stand within an hour of birth. That's not a bad achievement. And and even on their first day of life, they can attempt at least attempt to run away from predators. You know, I don't know how successful they are, but they can have a go at like whoa, you know. And um, and because that's the way they're created. But a, a human, a, a baby, a baby, um, you know, on the first day of their life, I know, I know, an infant, they, they, we can't even hold up our own head. Like, we're so dependent upon our parents to nurture us, to, to, to feed us, to change our nappies, to like do all those glorious things that as a parent, like you know, like get up in the middle of the night and um, man, and that doesn't stop when they're like, you know, at, at three, you know, that goes on, <laughs> I've found out. And um, man, and I'm still sleeping in different children's bedroom, you know, beds. Last night I was in Josiah's bed. I'm like, I gave up. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so, but you know, our children are so dependent upon us as parents. And so the Bible tells us that when King Jesus was born, that King Herod felt the threat of this baby, of this helpless little baby that couldn't even lift its own head. And, and Herod, he, was, he represented the governing authority of that day, which was Rome. And, and he was, the Bible says that he was disturbed. That's the, what the NIV uses, that language, that he was so disturbed and threatened by this child that was going to come and be a king because there must have been some serious ripple in the, in the spiritual force that was going on there. He was so disturbed that he issued an edict that all children under the age of two that were males would be killed in the region, in Bethlehem and the surrounding regions. And that is, I mean, that's tragic if we were to park on that. But he was threatened because this child carried promise. This child carried destiny. But that promise and that destiny at that time was entrusted to Mary and to Joseph. They were the ones that were, were given as, as guardians and it was their responsiveness to God that was going to keep the destiny of Jesus alive and the story of Jesus alive. It was in the hands of their parents and it says um, that in Matthew 2 verse 13 that after the wise men had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And, he, and it says, he, or he, the angel says, get up, get up, take the child and his, and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child and try to kill him. And so that very night, that same moment after the dream, he's like, wake up, Mary, we're going to get up and get out of town. And, and when they were doing this, they were protecting the story of Jesus. They were protecting his life when he was going to be 10, when he was going to be, th- when he was going to be crucified on the cross. They were, they were protecting his story 2,017 years later when there's currently 2 billion Christians on the planet. Mary and Joseph were protecting his story. So here we are, we're in 2017 AD, that's, you know, 2017 years after Jesus in North Canterbury, in Rangiora, in New Zealand, in the world, the galaxy, the universe. But this is our 
place. This is our location. This is our assignment. And, and I want to tell you, I still believe that the story of Jesus in our region is still in its infancy. It's still like a baby. It's still struggling to lift its head off the pillow. It's not yet grown and matured into our culture. The story of Jesus has not grown and matured in North Canterbury yet. Like we've got mature Christians, we've got great Christians and incredible churches and I want to give honour to all that have gone before as well. But when we look at the stats of of 50 odd thousand individuals living in our region and possibly four to five thousand people in churches in our town or connected to the story of Jesus, I don't think that the, the message of Jesus has become fully mature in our region. Is that right? There's some kind of responsibility that we have and, and, and in this. And, and so just like Joseph and Mary, they were, just, they were just normal human beings. They weren't deities or deities, however you say that word. They were just mum and dad. They were mum and dad. And, and, and just like it was up to them to steward Jesus, I believe it's up to us as well to steward and be guardians of Jesus in our world. Because the way that we steward and guard Jesus and the story of Jesus from the enemy, from the things that want to take him out, that's going to that's gonna be the thing that's going to depend on his growth in our region and his maturing in our region and his authority growing in our region and, and souls and hearts being turned towards him. It's going to come down to how do we guard, how do we steward, how do we, how do we look after, how do we become the sent ones to our region when we, when we prioritise who Jesus is in our life. It says, in the middle of the night, Mary and Joseph, they left the environment. They left the environment that was going to threaten the life of Jesus. They made a decision there that this environment that I've got, that I'm staying in, if I stay in this environment, then Jesus is going to be cut off and he's never going to reach the promise uh, that he's called to. And it's really easy to read in between the lines and just go, oh yeah, they left in the middle of the night. But you know, they left, they probably left the dishes in the sink. They didn't say goodbye to their neighbors. They couldn't message their friends or uh, cancel their press subscription. uh, Joseph probably left his income stream behind. You know, he'd been there for about a year or so because the mad guy, they they turned up sometime between one year and two years after, after Jesus was born, scholars tell us. And in the middle of the night, in this impulsive, instant decision, because an angel had appeared and appeared to them and said, "Come on, you got to go. Or Jesus has got, his life is going to be." They they left and they began a forty-mile journey, about forty miles to Egypt. In the middle of the night, they completely reinvented their lives because the story of Jesus was under threat. And I, I really want to honor the Lambourns for what they're doing. They're reinventing their life because the story of Jesus is under threat in Havelock North. The young people, the story of Jesus and lives of young people was under threat in Havelock North. They're going, I've got to change. I've got to, I've got to leave my job. I've got to go from two incomes down to half an income. And I've, I'm just, I'm going because God's called us. I'm going to reinvent my world because Jesus is my priority. Because when you read that story, you see that King Herod 
representing the Antichrist spirit, just wanted to take Jesus out, wanted to kill Jesus. And when we recognize who Jesus in our life is in our lives, you know, hell is going to break out. Opposition is going to come. He's des- he, he wants the Christ in you to be shut down. Like that's the devil's agenda. He, wants, he just wants to, you know, cut off Jesus. Just destroy the promise. Destroy your hope. Destroy your faith. Destroy your vision. And he wants to do that for each and every one of us. But when we stay responsive to the Holy Spirit, we say responsive to what God's calling us to do and we prioritize that Jesus in our lives, God's going to shift us into a great space and into a great place, a place of destiny and a place of promise. And man, if we all start doing this as a church, this region isn't just going to have 5,000 people attending a local church on a Sunday. And I don't care what church they go to, but man, imagine if we had 20,000 people in North Canterbury who had been impacted by the mature Jesus. There was signs, wonders and miracles flowing. There's healing flowing. There's words of life coming out of our mouth. There's, there's belief in one another. There's, there's encouragement. There's a sense of destiny around our region, you know, and this all starts with us. This is us. This is not a Sunday deal. This is a, I've got my life immersed in the river of grace on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And I want to honor who Jesus is in my life. And I don't know what that could look for you. And maybe there's some things that you need to reinvent in your life. I know that I'm constantly going, God, what, how can I shift and change? What attitude needs to die? How can I grow? You know, like God is looking for a people who are going to respond to His Word. And maybe when you look ahead to 2017, you just need to be a little bit more expectant and excited about what God's going to do in your life because He has got good plans. He's got plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. I was just thinking this week, that what if everyone in our church invested a percentage of their income into going to a conference next year? Like there's some incredible conferences. Every time I go to a Christian conference, man, I get impacted. When you put aside your routine, when you put aside your agenda, when you put aside what you usually do and invest some finance in and, and a change of direction in for a weekend or a week, God shows up and He impacts our lives. And you've got conferences next year, like you could go to Planet Shakers in March, you could go to New Life Conference um, towards the end of the year, I think it's in October, September, you've got Hillsong in the middle of the year, you've got Manifest Presence somewhere near the end of the year, there's incredible, like, Holy Ghost fired, life-changing, impacting places where we can go to, go on pilgrimage and actually have a, get a word from God. Get a fresh encouragement. Maybe that's something that you could consider that you could do uh, next year. Debbie and I went to Hillsong this last year, and man, we just the Holy Spirit spoke to us about our region and the bigness of God's hope. And He's always got a big hope for our lives. You know, there's some other things that you could 
you could start doing, maybe that you're not doing, you could come to the Brotherhood prayer meeting like once a month if you're a man at 6.30 to 7.30 on a Thursday night. And they're awesome, seriously, praying for one another. That's, it's so, so cool. You could go to a life group. You could get involved with serving. You could get the Bible app on your phone and get devotionals. They're amazing. Like this is what reinventing looks like. It looks like doing something different, starting something new. You could go down the beach and go, God, what do you want me to do? (laughs) Actually ask him. Because he wants us to steward him well. This is a, you know, a commission. The great commission. It's us with God to see this world impacted radically. We're going to take communion this morning, which is so good. And I just want you to remember two things, maybe celebrate two things this morning as we take communion. One is to just remember our assignment as guardians of Jesus, as ones who uphold his name, as ones who keep our eyes fixed on the author and the perfecter of our faith, not occasionally glancing, but letting him, as we look to him, let him be the author of our story. Let's keep looking to him. Let's honor and guard Uh, who he is in our lives, that he may become fully mature. Also, the second thing, I just want you to remember and celebrate our assignment as sent ones, like the three wise men who were looking to where Jesus was to identify and to reveal who Jesus is to the world. That is our commission as well this morning. So how about we all stand and I'll just pray for you before we take communion. Jesus. I just thank you that you are the kind of incredible God that just shows up in the most unexpected places. Lord, each one of us has a testimony here, Lord, of your grace impacting our lives, God. And just like you were around the back of the inn and, and, and you were in an, born in an unexpected place and yet the, the wise men found you, God. I just, I just thank you, Father, for our future, Lord, for future encounters of an identity to who you are to our world. Lord, today, God, I just declare that we're going to be a church who keeps our eyes wide open to the fact that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life over summer. Lord, we just give you thanks, Father, that we are on assignment, Lord. It's assignment full of joy and hope and freedom, God. And we want to give you glory today. And today, we remember you. We remember the cost that you paid, God, and the life that you gave, that we could have a life of freedom and goodness in your eyes, Jesus. We give you thanks this morning. Amen.